Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Would you like to play a collaborative story game? Uh, yes. But always. wait, there's more. What? Would you like to play that same collaborative story game without a GM? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. Then cue music. <laughs> And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. Uh, I am one of your hosts, Phil. And I am your other host, Senda. And uh, today's episode comes to us from Shadow World one on Twitter. Still a Twitter handle I have to focus very hard on pronouncing. Because <laughs> there's a lot of wuh, wuh sounds. Shadow World one Okay, but we got it this time, so we're good. Okay, um, who asked, uh, late to the party on this one, but what about games like For the Queen and Microscope, collaborative games that build stories without a GM? What are some that you like that may be obscure, and what draws you to them when you run across them? I don't know if we have any obscure ones, but... I do. <laughs> do okay. um, but we definitely are going to name some today. Uh, I mean, and- they're not obscure to you and me, because I've already talked about them a bunch, probably, yeah, that's fair. but... We are going to unpack this a little with a little bit of definition. Uh, We're going to talk about kind of like what um, you can expect out of these types of games. We're going to list a bunch of games. Uh, And then we're going to kind of cap off. um, We're going to, I guess, I shouldn't say cap it off yet. We're going to talk about how to get the most out of these games with a couple tips. And then we'll talk about a couple uses, like where can you fit these games in your gaming life, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. All right. I'll just kick us off with a quick definition, Um, GM-less, right? Uh, GM-less obviously means without GM, but what it really means is that the roles and activities of the GM, what would be the traditional GM of a game, are distributed among the players and through the procedures and mechanisms of the game. So that basically the way the game runs, the rules that are used to run the game, and what each player does uh, actually, you know, in total encompasses what a GM would normally do for the game. Okay. So um, GM list can sometimes be distributed GM, right? There's yes. not actually yeah. a GM because GM list is actually a bit of a misnomer. While there isn't a game master, it doesn't mean that um, there's nothing to run the game, right? The game Everybody helps to run the game. The game also helps to run itself. Yes. All right. And the last part, obviously, collaborative, meaning working together to to create something, right? So collaborative games that build stories are going to be ones where everybody at the table is working together to build the same story. Yes. Okay. Eh, I think those are pretty obvious. Pretty straightforward. But I yeah. did want to kind of just, you know, I wanted to clear up that thing on the GM list because it really is more of a distributed GM role. Sure. Yeah. The but, the things that a GM does in a game still have to happen yep. in most cases for the game to happen. Just means it's not centralized. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Senda, what are uh, some of the features of these types of games? Like if, if somebody has never played one of these, like what, what should one expect? Well, the first one is what, what you were basically just defining as GMless, which is that those um, mechanics and actions and, and basically the parts of the role of GM are decentralized 
and um, distributed amongst both the players and potentially the actual game mechanics, you know, itself, right? You can write a game to run more bits of itself. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, these games are known for uh, having lighter mechanics uh, because one because one of the roles that a GM often plays is arbiter of the rules. Without that in play, most of these games tend to go with uh, lighter mechanics, so there's less arbitration, less need of arbitration for rules. Yes. Um, there's also a little bit more of a leaning towards um, building a story together than necessarily like um, sinking into a specific character mindset. Um, that's not always true, but it, it tends to be... Um, you know, something that we tend to see in these games a little bit more. They're a little bit more flexible about living at the character level and tend to push a little more to the story level, right? That's the thing you're describing together. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, these are most often, and I'm going to use this because we'll, we're going to talk about it in the yeah. next segment. I'm going yeah. to use this in um, air quotes. These are most often one shots, End um, quote. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I, and I guess what I'll say is I call it a one shot in that it is not a campaign. Uh, what I would say is they are most frequently a contained story, as in they have a set beginning point and they have a set end point. You are not going to play this game for three years, right? It has Correct. a set end point. You will reach it and the game will end. Whether that happens in two hours or four hours or three sessions... Um, is a little bit more up in the air. We'll talk. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that yeah. um, in in a little bit. But yeah, but you're right. Contained story, beginning, middle, end. Um, lastly, there is a mix. So there'll be a pretty big mix of um, how task resolution and how those kinds of things get done, right? So um, it may just be procedural. There may not be any mechanisms. Like you may just, you know, tell this story until you reach this point and then move to the next scene, right? That's just procedural. Yep. Yep. Um, there could be some diceless mechanics involved, um, cards, dice, tokens. Again, going back to the lighter mechanics, while these things may be there, they're probably not going to be very complicated, right? There's no flanking rules in a collaborative mm -hmm. story game, right? Like, Are you telling me that I'm not going to have to like figure out how to grapple something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain. I often don't make certainties in game, like when I talk about games, because yeah. there's always an, a, there's always a um, outlier. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there is no collaborative story game that has grappling rules now now it's a challenge well i for mean if somebody to find wants a gmless collaborative story game that has grappling rules yes and that's fine if somebody wants to go make that i'm okay <laughs> with that but i'm just saying that i'm feeling very comfortable that it does not exist today yeah okay okay so that's kind of what to expect um, out of out of these games. And so now we're just going to go list, we're going to take uh, Shadowwall's list of um, those first two games and start building onto it with some of our other favorites. So um, let's let's first just go with the um, first one that Shadowwall uh, mentioned, which was For the Queen uh, yes. from Evil Hat Games by Alex Roberts. Delightful. Um, <laughs> we all love this game. Absolutely. Um, I... I will, and I think we can each just talk for a second about each one. Um, what I love about this game, it is this, it is tiny, um, meaning that it is very small, right? It fit, it'll fit in a bag. Yeah, it'll fit in factor. a 
it'll yeah. fit in it, honestly it'll fit in my cargo um my cargo shorts yeah, pocket, cargo pocket. Right? yeah um uh it is self-teaching you mm-hmm. do not actually have to know too much about the game uh, in order to uh, get started in playing. And actually, if you play with other people, um, the game literally teaches you as you begin the game. Yep. So it is excellent for uh, it is excellent for people who are unfamiliar with it. Um, and it is, um, you know, it, it actually absorbs a pretty good number of people as well. Yes. Yes, it does. I've, d- I've played it with... I've played it with small tables and I've played it with like six or seven, right? And it totally works, And it's right? fine either way, right? Yep. Yeah. Just how many how many turns you get. Um, but it's still great. Yeah. Do you want to tell us mm-hmm. about, um, do you want to tell us about um, anything about Microscope? Are you familiar I with I have only played Microscope once and it was a weird hacked version. So you should talk about Microscope. Sure. So Microscope is a game um, where you um, build a history so um, you can and you you define all of it in play, right? The the um, the game itself is a system of procedures by which you will tell the narrative of this history. Um, what is cool about Microscope is you can play it completely self-contained, right? Like we can just oh, we're playing Microscope and we're going to make up a history. But a lot of people have used Microscope to build histories for campaign worlds that they're later going to then use a different system to actually play it. Yeah, so that's how I've actually done it. Um, But probably the even sheared down from the actual rules version, which is um, we used it to bridge the gap from our original Tales from the Loop game into our continuation. So when we went from the 80s, where we had left our kids in the 80s and jumped to the mid nineties, um, we used microscope to fill in the history of what had happened there. And we just laid out like real events that had happened. And then we filled in our world and our character events, um, that had happened on that timeline, which is pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's fantastic. Um, it is absolutely, um, it's a great, it's a great structured system for creating histories. Um, yeah. so it definitely, it is, um, it is, and it is, that is what it does. Okay, next one I'm going to talk about is, uh, was actually my entry point into story games. Yeah. Um, the first edition was. It was my entry point into story games and was actually a game changer for me in terms of uh, what I like in gaming and things like that. And that is Fiasco. I don't um, think that you're alone in that. I think it was that game for a lot of people because it was a big one. Like it yes. was the first one that really penetrated the market. I will just say that, right? I was very fortunate in that um, I got an a, uh, early copy from I got an early copy to review for Gnome Stew. So much like you, who got the early yeah, copy, of the, the early copy edition, of the second edition, second edition, I actually did one of the initial. <laughs> I did one of the early reviews for um, for Fiasco when it first when the first edition published. Now I will say this: um, there is a big difference between first edition Fiasco and second. First edition Fiasco um, is very much a pile of dice, a handful of index cards, some printed out um, some printed out playbooks, and then the rules. Uh, the second edition fiasco um, actually builds on everything it learned from first edition fiasco. It is actually sets of cards um, with everything that you need on it with a little play um, with a little playing board uh, and some rules that very quickly will get you um, up and playing this game. I actually I've, I've played um, second edition fiasco recently and um, it is no no less enjoyable once you start playing and it is um, 
far the, easier to yeah, set up. The <laughs> like, setup time is significantly reduced by yeah. the way the cards work. Yeah. Yeah. So. It really it cleaned up the uh, the point of entry a lot. And, and if by chance people aren't familiar with Fiasco, Fiasco is a game that mimics Coen Brother movies, which is um, people with poor impulse control trying <laughs> to do things that will ultimately turn out terrible. Um, yeah. Terrible people doing terrible things. Um, yes. So it is very much a tone when you play that game. Yes. All right. Yeah. Um, the next one, I'm going to pick up the next one because um, yep, I haven't played it yet. I'm hoping I've, to soon. <laughs> correct. Because <laughs> I have played this. Um, the next one is Fall of Magic. Uh, this one, when it comes to uh, collaborative story games, is a beast. Um, and I don't mean a beast because it's complicated. I mean, uh, one, it is a it is a large game, right? It is like a small uh, poster tube. It's actually a square box, but it is like a small poster tube in size. Um, it is not inexpensive. I don't exactly remember what I paid for mine, but I think it was shy, shy either just over or just under a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have since upgraded it with a, with some of the stuff from the Kickstarters. Um, it is an absolutely gorgeous game. It is as much of a piece of artwork as t- at times as it is a collaborative story game, um, and it is a story about. Um, well, the fall of magic. I don't want to give too much away about it, but you mm-hmm. travel through this mystic land telling stories as you guide the Magus um, to his destination. It's a beautiful game, um, but it is, um, if you're on a budget, if you're on a budget, I think you can get a PDF version of this. Um, you would probably, if you're on a budget, stay away from the physical version of this game. If you have some money, and you're looking for something nice to add to your collection, I can't recommend Fall of Magic uh, uh, enough. I will also say, don't buy it at a convention. I bought my copy at Gen Con and had to haul it around in my you, bag. It was like sticking up out of a top. Like it didn't fit. There was like it, six inches bonk in the back of your head. Correct. It is um, <laughs> It is much nicer on top of my bookcase yes. um, than it is it stuffed belongs. in my backpack yes. walking around the con. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a good a one to, if you're at a con, like get it and take it right to your car slash room. Yes. All right. Um, do another one because I've talked a bunch. You should talk. Uh, talk take the no, next two games. Th- that's because we also like wrote them down in order of our favorites, and yours. You wrote all your favorites first. <laughs> I wrote because I wrote the bulk of the. You show wrote notes. the bulk of the show notes first before I sat down. So like, it's not. I'm not offended. It's okay. It's okay. Go um, ahead do the cool. next two. Yeah. So um, the first one I'm going to mention uh, partially because it is recently released, so you should go check it out. Um, is Our Traveling Home by Ash Kreider. Um, I was uh, lucky enough to play this both on She's a Super Geek and then to be like, this game is awesome, and take it home to my home crew, um, where we played it for much, much, much longer than it was ever intended to be played, which is why I like to say a contained story, not necessarily one shot. We played this game for like three or four months, right? Um, But this is a game that is about um, queer identity and found family. Um, and it's beautiful. It has very much a Studio Ghibli Howl's Moving Castle um, influence feeling to it, um, which definitely is part of why I really, really like it, because it means that it has a very warm, um, like, I don't know, there, there's there's a certain atmosphere that, that comes with that, right? Um, which I really enjoy. This is It's a game created out of a series of mini-games, so the game itself handles a lot of the, um, the GM role structure by 
um, structuring specific scenes, and then you play the uh, you play through them in whatever order you want, um, which is great. Um, it has a little bit of mechanics that vary because they are mini games, so they vary a little bit from uh, scene to scene depending on what you're doing. Um, but they're quick and easy, and um, you know, two lines of reading about like, okay, when this happens, roll this or whatever. Um, yeah, so that is our traveling home. It is a delight. And the print version is beautiful. Mine just came a couple of days ago. If you missed the Kickstarter, you should probably check it out. <laughs> cool. Um, the other one I'm going to mention is Yes by One Rachel because yes, <laughs> which y'all have heard me talk about a lot because when my group doesn't know what to play, we usually end up playing Yes. Um, and, uh, and that's because we've been playing it for a long time before you could ever get it. In the published edition, it was released um, reasonably recently. I don't remember how long this has been out yet. In Love and Resistance, um, which we also have a one-shot in. A um, little one-shot story came in for two players. <laughs> we just, do. Just throw that. You, know, you can also play Connections in there. Um, but so, yes, is a uh, basically a set of procedures that walk you through um, a uh, probably queer, but whatever it is, like not not heteronormative um relationship um that will have a happy ending um and it's a delight to play and we've sort of warped it to a number of different things so you can do it as a straightforward story um or you can like specifically flavor it in different ways like hallmark movies (laughs) right um which is its own delightful thing so i played like a christmas one and then we got to the end scene and there was snow and you know was great and uh i think that was a threesome and then uh like a, a triad and then and then we we played a halloween hallmark movie that was also great you know it's delightful but um in terms of story building it's a procedural game that walks you through a set of scenes um with like f- flash forward remembered interview moments in between to help kind of have um, get some of the emotional stuff from the characters on the table um, and one of the really specifically interesting things about that game is Um, The one rule, really, is that you can't play the same character for more than one scene in a row. So you're like passing around characters, which is really neat and great. And I like it. Um, Also, the scene structure, the procedural part. Anyway, um, it's a very wonderful just framework to just implement um, telling a one shot story. I love it. You should talk about the next one, but I'm probably going to say some things about it too. Cause... I would think so because you helped <laughs> because you helped write it. The next one is Turning Point. Um, Turning Point is our um, collaborative, dramatic. Um, Decision making engine. Okay, there I haven't go. done this pitch in a while. I know we haven't been um, to a convention in so long. <laughs> it is. Um, it is a game where the group uh, actually shares a character who is about to make a uh, life changing choice. Yep. And um, through a set of scenes about that person's life, uh, you determine. Uh, basically, you determine the scenes. And then through those scenes, uh, it informs the outcome of the decision that the character will make. Um, yep. It has a lot of, I think, a lot of empathy. Um, it can, um, you can play it very light. Um, we have some lighter um, uh, some dilemmas, and then we theoretically, have theoretically depending heavy ones. on who's at your table, because I've had some of those light ones go. Oh yeah, really intense. It, and it depends, right? We talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it will make a, um, it's great for making very memorable stories about, um, 
a person. Like you basically create a person and uh, kind of skip through their life through these major events leading up to the decision. Yeah. And then, and then you have this deep dive on why they make the decision that they end up making at the end, mm-hmm. um, which is sometimes like, you're like, yes, and sometimes kind of heartbreaking. And I love, I, I love what I, one of the things that I really love about that game is that I don't know going in um, if we are telling um, the story of someone who is going to like pull themselves out of or away from their past or tragedies that may have happened in their past and like move forward in a really positive way. Or if we're going to see those moments and then end up with someone who is actually held back by their past. Um, And I think, uh, and and either of those things, both of them feel really real when they happen because you've told the story um, leading up to that. And and so it it feels, um, I don't know. I, I really like, I'm very proud of our game. I'm very proud of it. If you are looking for it and um, aren't familiar with it, um, it's because uh, it was going to be kickstarted right during the pandemic. We yeah. did not do that. <laughs> we didn't. There, there is a quick start of the game that is available on drive-thru. It's only a few bucks. Um, it actually comes, I think, with one dilemma. Uh, yes. And then really importantly, the rules of the game are written for you to, um, one, to learn it, but then two, to use it as a script to teach everybody else the game. Yes. So it's um, we designed it specifically to make it, um, to get it to the table. So yes. you, you pay a few bucks for the PDF, read through it once yourself, and then sit down at the table with everybody. And just, it'll tell you what to read. It tells you when to go, like what to fill out, when to go to the next session or section. It, it is, um, it procedurally guides you into getting the game going. Yeah. And that is, so that's a game of essentially if people haven't played it f- before, then you kind of have to have a facilitator just to get things off the ground. But it's really just a rules like let's move like here are the setup parts um, and not a, uh, and then once you're playing, nobody's in charge. <laughs> Correct. Uh, take, our, take us through the last one. Yeah. So this was a game that I discovered during the pandemic and I played a lot, a lot. <laughs> for a while there because it was it was one of the only games that was giving me like the levels of the good brain chemicals that I usually get from at the table games um, and it is this is this discord has ghosts in it which is just a great game um, no GM does no require GM. discord uh, does require discord is a game that must be played online right you actually could not play this game in person, which I think is one of the reasons that I really liked playing it online because it never felt like I was like having to shift something that I wanted to be doing in person to being online. Um, so it was a delightful find as I was looking for stuff at the beginning of the pandemic to play that um, would make that shift reasonably seamless. Um, and the thing about it that I just think is brilliant is the way that it specifically uses um, the disconnect between audio communication and um, text-based slash visual communication um, in that uh, your ghost hunters can only talk and your ghosts can only like basically do chat stuff, right? So they can they can type and they can drop GIFs, pictures, whatever into the chat. Um, and that disconnect um, is both interesting and makes that um, conversation feel eerie in a really interesting way because you, it feels like there's a barrier to communication, right? Um, which is just kind of fascinating. Um, so I had a really great time playing that game a lot. <laughs> um, I think I played it like seven or eight times in just a couple months. 
you did. I did. I played it a lot. <laughs> Let me just say, if you are, um, if you're not going to be able to play in person, right? You you either primarily play online or the pandemic flares up or something. Uh, let me touch on a few things. Um, for the queen has a visual tabletop. Yes. Um, component yep um for sure fiasco does as well for yep. roll 20, roll 20. I, i'm pretty sure fall of magic has, has everything you need to play online i'm so not sure the, uh, the so does the sequel actually although i haven't played it okay uh, that's good to know microscope yeah. um you actually could just you'll be able to play it on a tabletop it requires basically index cards it's like you could play it on a vtt uh turning point can also be played um Turning Point can play be played online. We actually have um, a, um, care, a keeper following yeah, the yeah. gauntlet guidelines. We have a mm-hmm. keeper for Turning Point um, that you can use to actually facilitate playing the game online. It actually does a bunch of the math for you and stuff like that. Um, but even if you didn't, it's pretty easy to play online um, as well. Can I mention one more game that I didn't write down in the notes? Of course. That was the um, whole purpose of this section. I know, but I like knew I was going to remember things when we started talking. Um, and this one is interesting because I think a lot of the ones that we've mentioned have been um, both lighter in terms of mechanics and lighter emotionally. Um, there is a lot of potential in this particular style and genre of game to go not light on the emotional front. Um, and so I do have to mention um, Red Carnations on a Black Grave, right? By um, Is it GMless? Isn't it, though? I don't remember. I will look. Go ahead and keep talking what? about it. I Am I misremembering how it plays? <laughs> well, no, because I just not, not remembering if it was facilitated or I think GM'd. it was facilitated because the, the deck of cards is what tells you what happens. 100% correct. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't, I don't feel You're like fine. It, keep talking. Don't, okay. I'm going to keep going. Place. Um, it's, but so Red Carnations on a Black Grave is about, um, an uprising in France that got squashed in a really horrible, deadly way. Um, it's very intense. It starts extremely hopeful and then it goes very dark. It's um, a story about the Paris Commune. Yes. Yep. And, um, <laughs> yeah, in, in which, in which, you know, at a certain point in the game, and I will spoil the thing, in which you know you start out with two characters. One of them is definitely going to die, and the other one will probably die. Okay, so I just quickly popped open the rules. Um, yes, there is not a G, there is not a GM, but there is a need for a facilitator. Okay, and to be clear, it, um, to be clear, because um, Turning Point also has a need for a particular role called the first player. Yeah. Which is basically like um, somebody who keeps track of some stuff during the game. Yeah, like writes notes. Yeah, but then, yes, um, this game does, um, Red Carnations on a Black Grave does fall into this because it does not have a GM. Yeah. Oh, you know, silly us. What? What else? Can I what sidebar? Can I, can I take us back a section? Yeah. Um, one of the other qualities of um, these games, because they have a distributed GM role, yeah. they require no prep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which is great, I, which is part of the reason have, that we love them. That's yeah, like we, a big, huge thing. I know. And it seems silly because we talked about the distributed GM role. But let, but that's actually probably something that's worth saying is that these games are designed for everybody to come together, open up the game, and kind of get and, it to the yeah, table. Play, right? right. And not it doesn't, have to do anything. Yeah. Right. It doesn't expect somebody to actually put the game together and bring it. 
Like yeah. when you, like, even if you're facilitating turning point, um, everything still happens at the table. We just, one person kind of guides you through it. Right. One person has to track the numbers basically. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. So let's just, let's talk about, um, let's talk about getting the most out of these games, right? What, um, what, you know, like if you're playing one of these, um, what are some of our tips? We have a few yeah. about, um, really, uh, getting the most out of these. I'm going to go first and we're just going to ping pong this down the list. Are you good okay. with that? Yep. Okay. Sounds great. Um, I will say that for all these games, while you can just bring them to the table, it always helps if somebody has read the rules first. Like right. you can sit down for many of these games and be like, okay, let's read through the rules and figure out how to play. I've done but, it. <laughs> sure. I've done it too. It, it just works better. If like you buy the game, like let's say you buy fiasco. If you just go read the rules for fiasco, watch a, um, you know, watch a stream of somebody playing it or listen to an AP, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if you like, if you learn it, then when you get to the table, um, having one person who knows how to play the game greatly speeds up getting the game um, started yeah, and smooths the game, like the game flow because somebody's like, Oh, I know what happens here. That kind of thing. And even if you don't have it memorized, like I, um, the last time I did, um, I played fiasco, like I quick read through the rules and then like during play, like when we got to the twist, I was like, wait, hang on. I just opened the rule book real quick to where the twist was rewrite it and was like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Now, I will say that For the Queen is the one game you could probably get away with not doing this for. But even then, if somebody has played For the Queen, when you sit down at the table, it even goes smoother. Yeah, but it, it is not a requirement. Yeah, not a not a requirement. We're talking about how to get the most yes. out of these games. Yep. And that's my that's my tip to you. It, is, it, is, a, it is a good tip. It is a yeah. tip that I have ignored many times sure. and then frantically tried to read so that I could get yeah, something. You right. don't have to prep any material yeah. for it. But be familiar with the procedures, the flow of play, and things like that. Yeah. Um, the next one is, when it's not your turn, help facilitate, right? And that means different things in different games. Um, one thing that it definitely always means um, in these games, and, and honestly in all games, but like really in these ones, is active listening, right? If you are not paying attention to the other people at your table in a collaborative game that does not have a centralized power structure um you you will miss things and if you miss things it will you know make the story weird or people will be like what do you mean we're not even in that location anymore whatever it is right um so it's very important for for these games especially um that you are all sitting engaged and listening to each other you know what's going on right so that you can continue to build off of what's happening yeah absolutely and again um on the facilitation side if you can um, you know, if, if you can help the mechanics or procedures of the game move along while other people are seeing, like that also helps. Yes. Yes, it does. All right. My next tip is pay attention to the length of your scenes slash turns. Um, one of the things that a GM does is to keep a game moving, yeah. you know, in progressing towards, you know, it's ending when you don't have a GM, now there is not somebody who is clock watching. Again, refer to the tip above about helping to facilitate. Clock yeah. watching is one of the things you can help to you facilitate. Do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so just pay attention to the length of your turns because uh, you can just kind of get lost in these things. And sometimes that's going to be okay. And sometimes um, you're going to want to like 
have somebody, you know, poke you to be like, hey, I think we've reached the, you know, I think we've reached the end of the scene. Go ahead and wrap it up kind of thing. I totally just remembered another one of my absolute favorites. All right, well, let's get through these tips. And then you can <laughs> yeah, and I'll, we'll come back to it. Don't don't let me forget. I'm going to jot it down. Um, so, uh, yes, um, for some reason, the scene moving uh, reminded me. Um, but and, and the other part of that one is that uh, you also don't want to be a spotlight hog, right? Um, and, and there isn't really someone who's going to stop you from doing that. So that self-awareness of making sure that you are sharing and giving back to the other people at your table is really important. And then the idea is you give to them, they give to you. That's how it works. That's why it's collaborative. It's great. Um, the next one is your time to play the game may differ greatly from the printed time. Oh my. <laughs> um, one thing that I know, for example, about my particular group is that if we sit down um, even if the game tells us like this should be like a really short scene, like three sentences or something like it's not going to be like that's just it's we try and we fail because um, it is too interesting for us to dive in on some of these things. And one of the things I know about the group that I play with consistently is like and and I don't have a problem with this, right, because I am just as guilty of it and I love doing it and I love watching everybody else do it. When we find something interesting, we're not going to yank ourselves away from it. We're going to go do the interesting thing and play it out. And it's delightful. And it is also why a two to three session game, a.k.a. our traveling home, we played in probably six to seven sessions uh, because we really like we were really playing um two-ish mini games per night um, instead of like four, <laughs> right? Or six. Um, we, we really we really played that out, but I enjoyed every minute of it, right? So, so, so depending on your group and how you like to jump in on these things and how into them you get and how descriptive you get um, and how emotional you get, um, know that that is going to adjust the time stamp that um, someone who has played it before or, or even the person who wrote it, the timestamp that they put on it is based on sort of an average or generalized idea of the way that they have experienced it um, and what they probably intended when they wrote it. But like knowing who you're going to play it with, know that those things can morph. Let me ask you a question. What's the time slot for a game of turning point? Um, we got to get a four hour one because we said it was a three hour game, but it never quite it's never a two-hour game it's is not what a we've two-hour game yes we've it's learned not many four-hour game <laughs> no, it, it's uh it, you take a four-hour slot and you'll all leave early yeah it's um, like a three to three and a half hour game yeah but we tried billing it as a two-hour slot that and failed did terribly did not yeah. work at all <laughs> yeah and i'm with you my group never goes through these things quickly and i might be the reason for it but i don't think i'm the only reason for it so yeah i no. actually never pay attention um, unless like I'm trying to go for a one shot, like we're only playing yeah. this week because we're not playing this next week. Um, then I will be a little more, um, chop chop on yes. it. Yeah. So I can get fiasco in a single night done. I cannot get fall of magic done. Fall of magic yeah. is a multi-session, um, ad adventure for me like that. It takes yeah. many times turning point. I can get done in, in one four hour evening. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. And it, and it, you know, it just, it really depends on what you end up jumping in hard on and spending your time on. And it's not a bad thing to go longer, but it's something to be aware of. Uh, all right. So last tip, and then Senda will tell you the other GMless game that she yes. was thinking of. Um, if you have a lot of experience with the game, take up the unofficial role of facilitator. Uh, and that's not, you are not the GM, but you are the person who kind of helps run the game for everybody else. Right. You know the rules so that you don't have to look them up. So you can just be the person who says, good, and now we pull this card. Right. I'm going to set the game up. Mm-hmm. Let me explain to new players how the game is going to be played. If everybody's ready, let's get started. And like you can take that facilitator role without being a GM. And it helps. It'll help move a game along if you have somebody actively facilitating or acting as the facilitator. And if you are trying to play this game in a limited time slot to go back to the previous one, then having someone who is officially facilitating who can say, hey, um, just based on time, can we bring this scene to a close? Or we have an hour left to wrap this up. Like, um, let's make sure that we kind of keep this moving along or like those kinds of things is also really helpful. So that's for con versions of these games, super important. So I will also say this. Um, so for instance, Turning Point really tops out at five players. Yes, it Shouldn't does. actually play Turning Point with more than five players. Mm-hmm. We do in the full rules have tips for what to do if that yeah, happens. The hacky bit, yeah. Right. <laughs> but one of the things that we suggest above five players is that if somebody doesn't want to uh, if somebody doesn't mind not act- actively being the character, is to take the role of the facilitator, which means they take on the first player role, which is the person who kind of keeps track of some numbers, um, and helps guide the game through. Um, yeah. And, and then they play and, any NPCs yeah, along the way. play in scenes and stuff, but is a person who has agreed they're not going to actually play the, the main character. Right. Yeah. And you and I, when we go to cons, and, we are, um, and we've been playtesting... turning point one of the things we do is if we get less than five players in the group we are an active player if we get five players in that slot then we kick we kick out to facilitator yep and let and let the rest of the players actually experience the game yep all right Senda, tell me the game what is it oh it's protocol oh my gosh i love protocols so much it has so many different scenarios Um, And it is a card-based game that procedurally leads you through a story based on what cards you draw um, by giving you prompts based on the suit and the number. Um, And I love it. And so you get get different sets for um, Protocol, the one that's just coming to mind right now because it's the one that I played with you um, and has, like, involves the cheese stories (laughs) from QCC a couple years ago Um, was uh, one that was set in, like, a... uh, a superhero city, but we weren't playing superheroes. We were playing the normal people who had to live with the superheroes. Um, but there are so many. There are murder mystery ones. There's like an orc hospital, which is like orcs except scrubs. Um, and um, gosh, I can't even remember. I know Wen wrote a really delightful one that's the fall of Atlantis, which um, I play. I played a lot of them. There's a, you know, getting stuck in, uh, in a storm in an isolated cabin with ghosts. Um, westerns there's just there's so many different ones and it's so great because once you know how the rules work which is pretty straightforward it's like a bunch of just lists of like um cross-referencing like suit and number 
um, once you kind of just know how that goes and how the scene procedural part works, um, you can just pick up any of the like basically playbooks for this game. Just like here's a here's a protocol thing. Like we're gonna sit down and play protocol. I brought four stories. Which one are you guys into tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there was a fantastic one to play with Schmitty at GatorCon. That was uh, the the aging rock band. <laughs> we were on our final tour. And uh, things went horribly. <laughs> it was great. So, uh, yeah, Protocol. I have not actually played that in a while because I, I have played it generally in person. Um, but I really enjoy that game also. And there's just so many different, um, so many different play sets for that game. It's really flexible. I'm a fan. Yeah, Sorry. absolutely. That was the one I forgot. Perfect. Good. Um, okay, so before we wrap up this segment, let's talk about way, like a few uses for these games. Um, and again, we're going to ping pong through these um, like we do. Yes. So I'll, I'll kick off the first one. The first one is, look, play these games because they are just fun to They're play. They're super fun. They're some <laughs> right. of my favorites, really. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, um, you don't need a special, you don't need a special reason to play these games, but... We're going to talk about some other places where they, they're useful, but yes. just play them. Like, just go and play them. They're good. They're good games. They're really right. great. Just in general, what, I love what's them. Another, what's, another, what's another place where these games fit in nicely? Um, blown sessions, right? So when somebody can't make it or something happens, you have a different crew, whatever it is, um, slotting one of these in as an actual one-shot is a great way um, to uh, still get to play a game and to get to play a game that moves, you know, quickly because you don't have that prep time or any of that kind of stuff. You don't have to plan for it. Um, and uh, this is this is where we get into my crew uses yes a lot to fill these sessions and tends to do things like flashbacks, so we can even connect to the original game, which is also delightful. So you can you can get really creative with these. You can connect them to the game if you want to. You certainly don't have to. You can just sit down and play a fun game together um, and still have a great night. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is these are really good games to intro people who uh, who want to or are curious about uh, story games. Yeah. So if you got a bunch of um, if you got a bunch of um, people who've only played D anD D, and you know are like, oh, I'm kind of curious about like what other games are there? Like, you know, what are other types of role playing games? Uh, you know, sliding pandemic, I'm uh, not pandemic, sliding uh, fiasco onto the table is a great way to be like, hey, let's uh, let's play this game, right? It involves some role playing. It's going to be a little different than you're used to, but most role players jump right into it. Um, it's even a good way to get non-role players to play because uh, there's not a lot of rules and yeah. you're not going to be managing um, armor classes and hit points and things like that. So um, if it's somebody who's never really played a role-playing a role game, it's an easy way to kind of ease them into um, very light mechanics and, you know, heavy on story. And then from there, you can take them wherever you want. I almost got my father to play For the Queen at Thanksgiving one year. Just Yeah, For the Queen's really like so easy to get it's people so to play. so easy. The rest for of us the... sat and played, and he was delighted to watch, but we couldn't get him to participate. But it was like this close, which is closer than I've ever gotten Which is before. very close for your dad. Significantly yes. closer. <laughs> um, yes. Um, and then, of course, there's always conventions, game days, and pickup games, right? So that might mean, you know, con- in terms of conventions and game days, the thing that's great about these games is that many of them, especially if you do have a facilitator to keep the time clicking along, do fit beautifully into a standard slot, right? And they, they are self-contained 
um, and then you've told a beautiful story with people. And I love them because facilitating is way less work than actually planning, prepping, and running a game with a GM. Yep. Um, so uh, I get to I get to as a person put a game on a convention schedule that I want to facilitate, and I know I want to play that game. Um, and then people sign up for it, and I am not like the sole responsible person for like making the game go and be fun. I'm just the person who said, I want to play this game. Everybody comes together and we play a game together. Um, so they're great for that. Um, so I will say my con bag has almost always had turning point in it. My yes. turning point kit is actually really small. And then I just need a folder with some papers in it for the queen is great. As yeah. I will always say, I love the packaging for, for the queen, but if it's going in your con bag, put an elastic either, around it, <laughs> put it either put a rubber band around the box or put it in a pouch yeah. because the top comes right off the bottom and you do not want it bouncing around in your no. uh, backpack where the top comes off and those beautiful cards like might fall into the rest of your pack and get crushed by other things. So, uh, very simply, just really quick, take a rubber band and wrap it around it. Or what I do is I have um, numerous zipper pouches, my favorites being from Topo Designs, and we'll just put the deck in that, zip it shut, and throw the pouch in the bag. And then this way, I am sure that um, the well, box, not only is the box safe, <laughs> but actually by putting it in the pouch, nothing's going to scrape the packaging as well, yeah. uh, because I have an Alex Roberts signed Yeah. Um, box so i don't even want to put a rubber band around it because i don't want to mar such the such pretty packaging beauty yes mine is also signed Um, it's pretty great last Um, one on that list uh between campaigns so if you have just wrapped one campaign and uh maybe as this is going to be the case for me i'm about to wrap up a campaign and will be needing to um uh, learn a whole new game. If you need time to learn a game, run one of these story game one shots during your normal session. Everybody gets to play a game and you have extra time to finish reading your reading your rule books. Yep. Yeah. And they're great for that. And they're great for the night that like everybody gets together and we kind of go, you know, well, what do we want to do as our next campaign? And then we can have that conversation, sort of sort things out for half an hour and be like, okay, and now let's play yes for tonight. Yeah, in fact, I think I'm going to go throw For the Queen in my bag for Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Let me just say the following is that while we listed all those things, you can, (laughs) a number of times, there will be multiple reasons. For instance, um, blown session and convention um, pickup game and intro to story game can all happen at the same time. Oh, yeah. Like you show up to an event, the GM or somebody doesn't show up to the event. Yeah. And you're like, hey, before everybody goes, you want to play just, this game? Yeah. Do you want to just stay and like we can just play this instead? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, for sure. <laughs> for sure. All of it. So while we listed them singly, they all could be combined. Yes. And so the all one right. fun to play applies at all times. At all times. Mm-hmm. Okay. In order for us to get to the closing of the show, we need to now traverse the show blurb about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network. Do you have that? And why is my, why are things not moving? Oh, they're moving. It's fine. Don't scare me. Okay. I was like, oh no, we're pretty much at the end of the show. You can't say that you weren't recording. We're good. Okay, y'all. We're okay. 
Um, cool. Well, today I'm going to tell you about They're a Super Geek, which is an actual play one shot live stream. And we have the podcast feed now up and running as well, which is part of the reason that I wanted to make sure that I mentioned them. Um, it is created by three BIMPOC players to highlight the voices of marginalized fo folks in the tabletop RPG scene. They feature gender marginalized GMs and a diverse rotating cast of characters. Um, and they are live every other Thursday from 9 to 11 Eastern Time on the Missed and Directed Mark Twitch. And on the other Thursdays, um, the uh, podcast version of the episode that they did live drops in the They're Super Geek feed, which you should be able to get anywhere you like to get your podcasts. But let me know if you find a place that it's not, and I'll try to fix it And if you're looking for it. Um, yeah. And uh, again, and I know I've said this a couple times before, I, I, I have some idea of what their um, games are, at least through October, I think. And they're fantastic and their guests are really wonderful. So uh, check that out. Alrighty, Sesenda, where can people find us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. Or you can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com. Or you can find us on the Tiki Talkies if you're special and you want to. You could. You We're could. We're there. <laughs> we are indeed. <laughs> okay. So if you find us on the internet, what should you do? Are you asking me? I feel I was like asking you. I feel like you've just pulled a fast oh, one. Can I? Can I, mean, I do I, it? I'll I can. Do it. I can tell you. You should. You no. should send us a topic. Yes, you um. could send us a topic. <laughs> we like that. And uh, and and we're really good at making them into shows. Don't worry about like, the format or anything, right? Like it could be one shots and campaigns, like it used to be, but it could just be two random ones of you. Or just like just... today, like Shadow Walls question about about GMless uh, collaborative story games. You know, you can just give us a topic to just wax eloquently upon, and we will. Yes, we like we to do, do that. those things well. Yes, we pride ourselves good, that the vast job. majority of our topics. Our topics provided by our listeners and not things that we came up with ourselves. Although sometimes we are like, ooh, this is an interesting thing. We should just talk about it. And, and we'll slip them in, right? Um, for the heck of it. We really like answering the questions or talking about the things that you're interested in listening you know, to us talk about. Because otherwise we would just sit here and talk about the ditch lilies all day long. We're here to make more better games more for you. More better games. We're here to make your games more better. More better, more fun. Exactly. Okay. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Mistracted Mark Network, please consider uh, supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Patrons get access to the um, the um, Panda Lounge. The Bamboo, Bamboo Lounge. Land. God, I'm off today. Sorry. <laughs> we'll talk about why I'm off in a second because I'm not yeah. used to recording in the daylight. I know, I'm like a vampire. Pretty weird. <laughs> um, the Bamboo Lounge, the, af the outtakes from the Mistracted Mark. More importantly, you're going to get access to our Slack room. Uh, the Slack Room for Life, which is our Slack community, uh, 100 plus people, uh, fantastic. We talk about role playing games, current events, uh, lots of cooking going on. Hmm. There is we could do a we could do a misdirected Mark Network cookbook. Um, to be honest, we've talked there are, about it before. <laughs> there are a number of strong contenders uh, in there, and on that note, one of our members. Who's I mean not noted because they're a member of our Slack community. They just are. PK Sullivan uh, has um, just launched uh, his uh, YouTube channel 
uh, Breakfast for Pancakes. Yes. Um, and has his first video on uh, making the perfect fried egg. Yes. Uh, which I watched. Um, and also it used the uh, making fried eggs is hard. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Like, yeah. <laughs> so quite yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, and, and really exciting to see PK uh, making um, cooking videos. So we just, we give an extra plug because um, PK is awesome and PK is a really good cook. So I'm super excited to see what like future videos are coming. Yeah. So much congratulations and uh, probably go check out and subscribe to that channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Say Senda. What other uh, story game should I prepare in case no one wants to play for the queen? We forgot a part. Damn it. <laughs> Did we forget? Oh. You can also leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does make people... Uh, hopefully see the show more which is great and makes us really happy um so thank you so much to everybody who already left a review and thank you to everybody who's going to leave a review we super duper appreciate them now you can ask me the question what was the question I, i'm telling you boy shake it up is what's <laughs> happening here. i said what other what other story game should i throw in my backpack for tomorrow in case people don't want to play for the queen uh, yeah protocol This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. There we go. Hooray for waveforms. Check, check waveforms. Don't touch the mic. Yeah, do not. Do not. It's like a game of operation now. Yeah, yeah, it is with your mic. Like, I'm start. I'm worrying that I'm going to have to buy a new mic. Um, um. Yeah, it could be the cord. I doubt it, but probably not. But you know, those ATRs are known over time to the USB connection to uh, to get uh, loose. Yeah, it's so. definitely acting like that. Well, it definitely is because it's only when I bump into it. Yeah, don't don't touch the mic. Don't touch the electric fence. Actually, it's don't whiz. Don't whiz on the electric fence. What? <laughs> That's from Ren and Stimpy. You were probably too oh, little. Oh, I was pretty little for that. I remember a couple of random Randy, Ren and Stimpy things, but my parents hated it. So it was not a oh, thing it, that I got to turn it's on. It's very polarizing. Either... Either parents uh, thought it was hysterical because they were twisted and had very strange sense of humor, yeah. or they thought it was um, awful because yep. um, it was um, hilariously irreverent, very bizarre. Um, and pretty gross. And pretty gross, yes. Yeah. Stimpy's favorite game is Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence. Okay. Yeah. The only the only Ren and Stimpy thing and I like that I remember, and I remember it really clearly and then we should start recording yes my goodness uh is is log i just like that oh it's stuck log with me. it's log. I, forever it's big like, it's heavy it's wood i it's think log. that was probably the it's only log. episode i it's ever better saw than bad it's good and like it just entered my child psyche and never left yes but that's all i know it rolls right? downstairs like, alone or in pairs yeah oh i used to know the whole log song it's great
If you really want to see something irreverent, we could find the Powder Toast Man episode because it was one that did not air very many times. But I will say this, the like spiritual successor to Ren and Stimpy in terms of irreverent and strange is is um um yep, Rick and Morty. Is. Yep, it is. Yep. And I love Rick and Morty. Um, yeah. Because it's also awful. Yeah, it feels very much in the same vein to me, mm-hmm. for sure. Let us move over to the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yes. It could have also been, do you feel like your game isn't collaborative enough? Do you feel like there's too much GM in your game? Ouch. There's got to be a better way. I was also, the other one I was going to do was, um, <laughs> was collaborative, GMing collaborative story games is hard. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> there must be a better way. That's right. GM-less collaborative story games. Oh my gosh. For the amazing low price of, of, of three installments of $199.99, you can get, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> 